0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football by previewing the OU-Kansas game with Scott Chasen. Scott covers Kansas for 24-7 sports and knows everything there is to know about Jayhawks football. We also preview Oklahoma State-Kansas State. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss the big news in college football and preview some of the marquee games of the weekend. We give you our winners and losers of the week and wet the beak with Tua vs. Kyler round two on Sunday when the Dolphins take on the Cardinals. To finish up, we explain how the recent ice storm in the state is already ruining Christmas for some Oklahomans in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Oh, man, Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, November 5th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now, we're recording this on Wednesday night. And Teddy, as you and the people that consume this on YouTube can all see, I am back at my mother-in-law's house. The internet and cable issues continue, and I I, at this point I just kind of want to cry because it's just it's 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 been painful. It's been pit. Now, luckily, I have an awesome mother-in-law that lets me come to her home and you know record this podcast but it's getting old man but i I, remember i had that speech a couple episodes ago about you know be nice to the utility workers so i can't i can't do a complete heel turn right now (laughs) but i am ooh, uh my patience is wearing thin tech wearing wearing very thin
1: have you had any type of update is anyone telling you anything do you know what the problem is do you know when a, if you get any type of estimate, when it may be back on?
0: Well, the worst thing is that it has come back like hours at a time. And I'm like, oh, it's back. Let's go. Yes. I start like celebrating and then all of a sudden gone. And I check my account and I'm like, it's not going to be fixed till eight forty-four PM. What? And it's happened time after time. After well, time, and it, it is breaking me as a man. I am, I am weak, Teddy. I didn't know that I needed internet cable uh, so badly, but I need it. It Literally every job I have depends on internet.
1: Man, I yeah, that's pretty brutal. And you can't – it's not like you can just work it off your phone, right, the cellular internet. You've got to have a good hard line. So that sucks, but I think you're going to make it through this, Gabe. I think you're going to survive it.
0: I need to get my mother-in-law a really good gift
1: after this. <laughs> like this
0: has been, this is just ridiculous. She's going to start charging me rent. This is, but at hey, least the
1: cable bill.
0: There, there's probably some of our listeners that still don't have power. I know. I know some people still don't have power. That sucks, man.
1: There's, we've got people at our station in Norman that don't have power, and I'll tell you what's interesting. I'm sure they're working on it, but as I drive around Norman, it's not like I see a bunch of electric trucks out working on transformers or stuff. It just – it looks normal. It does, I don't see – you would think that if still a big portion of the city has been without power for nine or ten days, like it would be like trucks everywhere trying to do it, but I don't see anything. I'm sure it's I, happening. I'm not saying it's not happening, but I don't see it.
0: Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know anything about electricity. <laughs> I I can't help you at all, Ted. But I, I'm sure our good friends at the power company, I'm sure our good friends at the cable company, um, I, I'm sure people have had other problems. All those utility workers, I'm, I'm keeping my support behind you guys until maybe – if I don't have it by the time we record the next podcast, I may lose my shit. <laughs> I mean well- –
1: when you do it, please record the audio and we'll play it on the, uh, on the show.
0: Okay. All right, Ted, let's get to local college football. And that's brought to you by Will and Wiley hard seltzer guys. Stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Cooper ale works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool at the lake and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma and it's absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them now, let them know. Now we have Scott Chasen who covers Kansas football, and no one covers Kansas football better than this man. Teddy, I told you that before we interviewed him and I could just tell by your initial reaction from his first answer. You're like,
1: "Okay, this guy knows." Yeah. Okay, I mean that's it, it's an interesting skill, um, and I know the there's a very small pool of people to choose from whenever it comes to knowing Kansas football. But there is a guy out there that knows everything there is to know about Kansas football, and we have him on this show.
0: He so, is wildly impressive when it comes to knowledge about KU football, especially this year's team. I mean, he, yeah, you'll, you'll see, people. But before we get to our interview with Scott, one note, it sounds like Jaden Hazelwood could go in this football game for Oklahoma. Uh, he's been working with the first team at some points in practice, uh, working in the slot. You talk about a, <laughs> that's a dangerous dude in the slot. Now, the predicament, for Oklahoma's staff right and for the medical staff is he's coming off that major knee injury and if we're being real it's Kansas right uh, you, you don't need him in this football game and you've got the bye next week so uh, i think i think they want to get him out there i think they want to get him some reps but also you look at it and you go okay we can buy two more weeks and then have them ready for bedlam so it, it's kind of an interesting predicament there in there ted
1: yeah i'm i'm always fascinated by these situations and i i especially like oklahoma it's it would be one thing if they were really hurting at wide receiver right like If they didn't have guys and you can tell it's an issue and they're looking for playmakers. It'd be one thing to get a guy back, uh, this quickly, but when they're not hurting for playmakers at wide receiver, I, if he's ready to go, he's ready to go. And right. you need to start, you know, getting used to, to and breaking on that thing. But I, I see no reason in, in rushing him back. I get it that, you know, he's, he's not going to lose a year of eligibility and there, so you don't have to worry about losing any of that. So I I get that, but man, I would, I would really stay as cautious as possible with this saying. And maybe he's to that point. And I know they know how to bring guys back from injury. They do it every single year with a number of guys but it always makes me nervous when a guy comes back that quickly from a major injury. I just, I'd hate to see something else happen and you see it a lot. And I don't know if it's, it's because of guys rushing back, but you know, a lot of the guys that we've, we've lost to, to knee injuries have re-injured those knees recently. I mean, you go back to Rodney Anderson. He, he had that, he re-injured it. Um, Caleb Kelly had a re-injury. So I would just – I would be really, really, really cautious. I would, I would go as slow as possible.
0: And, and I think whether you realize it or not, uh, I think part of the reason you feel that way and part of the reason I feel the same way is next year's the year for this Let's program. Try. Next year's the year. I mean, when you are expecting them, like, next year, if everything, you know, works out the way that we think it can work out, this team can go to the college football playoff and maybe win a game, right? If the defense comes along enough. So you don't want him, you don't want Hazelwood to re-injure that knee and then put next year in jeopardy. Now I know they still can play for a Big 12 title this year if some things fall their way, right? I understand that. But in in the back of the coaches' minds, they know that too. Like they, they know next year's the year for them to, you know, make a legitimate run. So we'll see if he's out there. Uh, You won't miss him. He'll be the big guy wearing 11.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I I would love, I would love to see him out there. I I am, I'm anxious to see what he's got, but at the same time, I just, I always get incredibly nervous when guys are coming back from injuries. Um, So I don't know. I, I, like I said, they know way better than anyone else does whenever it's time for him to, to be able to go out there and do some things and get some limited work and have, a, have an opportunity here and there and maybe get out there on the field and they don't target him, just let him get some run. But I, I'm, I'm confident that they, they will do the right thing and not put him out there before he's ready.
0: Yeah, and there's also maybe the school of thought like, hey, let's let him get out there against Kansas. You know, uh, not, not exactly a pressure-filled situation. You know, let him get his feet wet. Let him, you know, feel like he can trust that knee in a game setting. And then he goes into the week of practice uh, in the bye week, and then you're getting ready for bedlam, and he's building that confidence. I to, there's, there's a ton of ways to look at it, but we'll see. We'll see if we see Hazelwood out there. Uh, all right, Ted. Now, like every week, even when it's Kansas week, we are going to preview – the opponent, and we brought Scott Chasen on to talk Kansas football, and no one knows more about Kansas football. All right, here's that interview with Scott. It is our pleasure to be joined by KU's beat writer for 24 7 sports. He is the only man brave enough to tackle the dumpster fire that is KU football. Scott Chasen is in the house. What's up, man?
2: Not much, not much. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, now, I, I want you to tell me I'm not crazy, Scott, because uh, I know everyone sees the final score of Kansas's last game. Uh, looks like they got blown out by Iowa State. Now, I watched the entire game, and it, am I crazy to think that that was Kansas' best performance of the year? Uh, they were pretty competitive in that football game, Scott.
2: Yeah, even if you took the outside factors away and I'll run through them in a second, Kansas was within 16 points with the ball in the fourth quarter, which no one gives you a trophy for being down 16 in the fourth quarter. But considering you're playing a team that entered the season with, you know, dark horse national title contention, you know, hopes or certainly big 12 championship hopes, you know, they may still make it there. Their schedule is really easy from this point on compared to everyone else. And then you take into account Puka Williams, Kansas's best player, has opted out. Drew Prox, Kansas's best defensive player, has opted out uh, because of COVID, because of contact tracing, because of other injuries. Kansas was without two of its five starting offensive linemen, three of its top five wide receivers, both of its uh, inside linebackers on defense, its starting safety. This was the most Kansas has been ravaged all season because of all of these factors, and yet it was. I mean, it was the most competitive game. It was 16 until. Very late in the fourth quarter, and even then, you know, it kind of felt like Iowa State might have went for that last touchdown. Uh, maybe some spread drama there. I don't, I don't know if some boosters had Iowa State covering that. that <laughs> I like later. it. But, I mean, it, they, I, they were certainly throwing, uh, you know, up twenty-three or whatever with a couple of minutes left. But no, was, I mean, it was a sixteen-point game, and it wasn't sixteen, and then Iowa State scores, and the game's over it was 16 and then Kansas gets an interception and gets the ball back to potentially go down and drive and and cut it to one score and then anything can happen. So uh, again, you don't get a trophy for that, but uh, it was, it was definitely some progress and a lot of young guys played well.
1: You mentioned Puka Williams and he's had some success against Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma fans are going to be happy that he's not going to be there Saturday, but what did, if anything did that do to the team's morale do you think they were expecting that to happen maybe at some point this season or did it catch everyone off guard just kind of how the team respond to that
2: probably a little bit uh, a mix of both you know if there's a program prepared to deal with from a, a mental side losing their star running back it would be Kansas given uh, last year Khalil Herbert surprised everyone by four games into the season that he was averaging nine yards a carry I mean People forget because of how well he's playing now. And and they say things like, oh, this guy was at Kansas. No, Khalil Herbert was averaging nine yards per carry when he left Kansas. He was having a tremendous season. Uh, I think he was at like 400-something rushing yards through four games. He was playing, I mean, absolutely fantastic football and and hard to fault him for opting out given that, I mean, he might be a dark horse Heisman contender now that he's at Virginia Tech and averaging, you know, 100-whatever yards a game. And, uh, you know, so from that perspective, I I think – There may not have been as big a letdown as you saw when Khalil Herbert had opted out, you know, a year before that preceded a a game, I think at TCU where Kansas lost in the range of like 51 to 14. And those touchdowns were garbage time touchdowns. It was as bad a game I've covered seen. um, It was just a, a horrible game for Kansas. What followed Puka Williams opting out this time was that K state game where again, it was a little closer than the score because special teams was such a disaster for Kansas. And you know, really, the Kansas special teams have been really interesting because two games this year, they've been as bad as you can be. They've allowed multiple return touchdowns, uh, Baylor and Kansas State. And really, every other game this year, they've actually been pretty solid. They have a couple kick returns for touchdowns. They've had great punting from Kyle Thompson when he's healthy. Uh, it was a third-string punter against uh, in the most recent game against Iowa State, uh, and he was pretty good. So I think Kansas survived the letdown. I think the thing we learned about Kansas and it's hard to say this, and, and it doesn't really – I'm not 100% sure it computes, but it, it almost felt like every time they ran with Puka Williams, it was a wasted down when he was playing because defenses were selling out to stop him. He was injured. He was dealing with an ankle injury, and he's averaging like three yards a carry, and how predictable when they go run, run, and now it's third and eight, and you know, you're, you're you know, putting your quarterback in the worst position. I'm not going to say it's a good thing for the Kansas offense that they don't have Puka Williams, but it might be a good thing that they don't have the banged-up, hindered Puka Williams that they still felt the need to force feed because he's still their best player, you know, just not quite at 100%.
0: Right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that offense, Scott. And it's kind of been a revolving door at the quarterback position, but now it, it, it looks like they've found their guy and Jalen Daniels and the freshman. And this guy is fun. I mean, he's a dual threat. Is this a reason for Kansas football fans to be excited? Because I, I really enjoy watching this young guy.
2: Yeah, and think about this. He just turned 18. He was 17 in his first, like, three or whatever starts. <laughs> wow. And, you know, for a, for a quarterback to, to start as a freshman, I would venture to say in the history of college football, I don't, I don't know this, I'm guessing, 97% of the time they were an early enrollee. They went through spring. If they're going to start one of the first two games of the season, like maybe they start later in the year, or whatever. But for Jalen Daniels, not only was he not on campus in the spring, there was no spring. Kansas had no spring practices. Uh, he came on campus in the middle of June, I want to say. And even then they weren't doing anything as a team. They weren't allowed to. And so, you know, we talked to Les Miles this week and, and one of the questions he was asked was, Hey, why wasn't this guy, your game one starter? And Les said he didn't get any snaps. You know, before the season, he may may have gotten no first-team snaps because they had two veterans they were trying to to figure it out. And they thought, surely this guy can't, you know, come in at 17 and and take that starting job. And lo and behold, your first quarterback gets injured. They don't feel great about the second one. So they they say, let's turn it over to Jalen Daniels. And the thing about him that's so interesting is his first start was – it's not an understatement to say it was horrible. Uh, from the perspective of his best play was when he overthrew a wide open receiver, 50 yards downfield, because everyone said, you know, wow, he has a great arm as compared to <laughs> if that's a junior or a senior, they're saying, wow, you missed a wide open guy for a touchdown. You know, like it's, it's the dichotomy of how young you are. Um, against Kansas state, he, he did show some growth. He rushed for two touchdowns uh, and he, and they started to open up the offense. You know, Kansas fans have been upset how boring the offense looks. And it's, it's been one of those things where you're like, hold on a sec. They've got a guy who is getting no snaps. Who wasn't, you know, he doesn't know the offense. He can't run it. They're not going to throw him out there and say, you know, run 50 RPOs a game and and zone read and make these decisions. They're going to simplify it now against Iowa state and really going back. I think maybe a game before that, they started to to say, we're going to open it up just a little. And now it sounds like they really want him to, to make throws in addition to his ability to take off and run. Um, And I thought, you know, if there was one, major sign of, of things moving in the right direction in the last game. You know, his biggest passing play was freshman to freshman, uh, you know, a wide receiver who got the opportunity to play because so many guys are out right now. Uh, and his touchdown run, it's kind of insane to think about. His center was a true freshman. His right guard was a true freshman. His left guard was a redshirt freshman. His tight end was a sophomore. He faked the pitch to the running back who was a true freshman, and he's a true freshman. So you're, you're going – freshman 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 up front sophomore tight end freshman running back and the freshman quarterback on an option play runs it in I mean that's Kansas right now it's not good you never want that to be the case but that's the sign at least that the young players are maybe getting that experience and maybe that there is hope when they can bring in more of them
1: and you kind of just answered this right there with with some of the youth that they've got but what other signs are there you know because I there was a little bit of hope whenever Les Miles took over and the way last season started, like, okay, maybe we've got something here. Maybe, you know, it's going to be a process, but it looks like, you know, they may get something going and it kind of devolved a little bit. And the start to this year, which obviously he didn't have any time in the spring and all all of that is, is cooked in there. But, like, what's what's the mindset around there as far as less Miles and is this thing going to work and what is his future there?
2: Well, I think you'll find out over the next two years, really next year, because you're going to have to start to see as they bring in more and more freshmen and develop them in the program. But the biggest indicator from people I've talked to is, you know, there are two reasons why young guys play. And the first reason is they're better than the guy on the roster. And the second reason is they're either equal and they're just playing their guy or they just want to give a guy a chance and, and, you know, try something. Uh, I I would say maybe that category is most often like a coach is just like, I'd rather play my guy than your guy. In this case, the young players are playing because they are better than the players who are currently on the roster. And I think of the best players on Kansas's team right now of the people who are there. So no Puka, who's not with the team, no Drew Prox. He's not with the team. And I think about the receivers. Well, their best healthy receiver is Andrew Parchment. Les Miles went and got him. Uh, the guy who impressed in the last game was Luke Grimm. Les Miles went and got him. Uh, their running backs right now, Daniel Highshaw, Elton Gardner. Les Miles went and got him. Uh, you go over to the defensive side of the ball. Kenny Logan might be leading the Big 12 in solo tackles or close to that. Um, he had an interception and a kick return touchdown last game. That's a Les Miles guy. The defensive line, Marcus Harris is – uh, up there in tackles for loss in the Big 12. I think he's in the top six or seven uh, redshirt freshman Steven Parker is a redshirt freshman. Uh, Marcus Harris is a redshirt freshman. It's, it's like there are so many guys who are just better than the the people who have been there. And, you know, it, it was always going to be tough. You replace six 12-game defensive starters. You replace all your starts at left tackle, right tackle, and quarterback, and, and that's a ton to lose. Um, and then also, you know, not having spring – I think not having spring specifically hurt the offensive line more than anything, because that unit has two guys playing tackle who have never played tackle. And then one of those guys got benched for another guy who had never played tackle. So that that's where you would have liked to give those guys experience as compared to, you know, poor Malik Clark, he had a chance to be an all big 12 guard. And now he's probably the worst left tackle in football. And it's like, ball, he's, he's a guard. He's never played tackle. He's not a tackle. He's just being forced to play tackle. And he didn't, you know, get a spring to learn how to play tackle. So I think that's kind of the sign. The sign is that you have all these young guys that that are already getting on the field, and it's not because they're less miles' guy they're not be- it's not because they're about equal, and it's well, I'll play the young guy, it's because they're legitimately the better player, and then if you project that and, and you continue to bring those guys in and supplement what you have, um, you know I, I don't think it would be crazy to say two years from now you could you could. If, if they recruit at the, the level they have the first two years over the next two years, they will have a bull caliber roster in two years. The question is, will recruits see the losses that are happening now? And will they still be able to bring in the, like will the newness of having less miles allow them to continue to bring in your Kenny Logans and your Dejon Terry's and, and your guys that have legitimate offers from other places? I think that's kind of the biggest question right now.
0: Now, Scott heading into this game, Uh, Oklahoma's offense is really hitting its stride, right? And you look at this Kansas defense, right? They're going with the three-man front stuff, and it has been a struggle. I mean, can't stop the run, giving up 216 rushing yards a game, but also can't get to the quarterback. I mean, only six total sacks on the season. Now, it looked like they they decided they're going to bring more pressure, right? We saw a lot of blitzes and some different things against Iowa state. But you mentioned a couple of impact guys, Uh, any other bright spots, any hope for their defense in this game at all?
2: Yeah. The the biggest problem with the defense, in my opinion, and the defense started the year horribly is probably too strong, but, but very, very rough was there was kind of a turning point. It might've been West Virginia where it stopped being the defense is the problem. The defense is so bad and started being, Hey, the defense strings together a few stops, but the offense just can't help them at all. Uh, and, and one of the examples I think back to uh, this might have been the Oklahoma State game, which was earlier in the year, but I think Kansas averaged 1.8 yards per play on offense for the first three quarters of the game, which means on average, it would not take you four plays to get a first down, it would not take you five plays. It would take you six plays. It would take you six times going 1.8 yards to get your, yourself a first We line. don't
0: do math on this show, <laughs> on this podcast, Scott. What are you doing, man? Yeah.
2: Well, you don't need to know math to know that's really bad. And, it, <laughs> you know, if, if your yards for play is that small and you're just punting the ball back over and over, you know, I think Kansas came out, held Oklahoma State to a field goal, forced a punt, And the two Kansas drives were like a minute 10, a minute 30. And it's like, you just keep sending that defense. And that's been the story these last few weeks. You know, against Kansas State, that game was wonky because of the special teams. Um, Case in point, Kansas was losing 34 to 7 at halftime. And they had given up 100 yards and 7 points on offense. It was pick 6, punt return touchdown, punt return touchdown. Kansas State started two drives inside the 40, I believe. Like one at the 38, one at the 19 and Kansas held them to field goals on both. So situationally, the defense has played a lot better than the numbers, but the problem is the offense is so, I don't, I don't want to say historically bad, but kind of historically bad, especially in that offensive line, uh, that it has just, just sent that, that unit out over and over, and then they don't have depth because they have a few guys, like I mentioned, like five or six that are playing really well. Karan Prunty is another one. I feel very confident in saying as a freshman, that that guy will be in the NFL. He will be one of the best cornerbacks in the Big 12. He's already, I think he leads the nation maybe in pass breakups for true freshmen. He's, he, he's the best cornerback. He might be the best defender on Kansas's active roster. He's a true freshman. Um, the problem is you don't have 20 of those guys. You have five of those guys, or you have six, which is great. But e- even if everyone's healthy, that means you've got five other guys on the field that you don't feel great about. And like you look at Kansas' linebackers right now, Gavin Potter has shown some flashes, but he's out of position way too often. Jay Deneen is probably the slowest linebacker in the country, or yeah. certainly the slowest linebacker in the Big 12. Uh, Nick Channel is a walk-on from Wichita who's played okay. He had, I think, eight tackles last game, but the guy's like a walk-on. He, he was never brought to Kansas to be the guy to fill that spot, so you, you just don't have depth, and I, I think that's the problem it creates. On the other side, Oklahoma, I mean, just my outsider's view on Oklahoma – they look like they're playing with a chip on their shoulder with like a legitimate edge. And Kansas has been closed with Oklahoma, but I've always gotten the sense that Oklahoma treated that game like, Hey, we know we're going to win this game. We don't like kind of how when Kansas plays Monmouth in basketball, and it's just like, you know, come on, this, this is going to be a blowout. We don't have to whatever. And then it ends up being like 25 or whatever, and you know, moral victories and all that. I, I think this Oklahoma team is gunning to absolutely, you know, blow the doors or, or whatever the expression is off of Kansas um, the line is thirty-eight and a half, I believe. I don't know what I'm going to pick at this point, but something like sixty-three to seventeen, like that, feels very right to me. Just because I, I don't think the Kansas defense is that bad, but I think Oklahoma has something to prove right now, and, and I think Oklahoma is going to continue to prove that they might still be the best team in the Big Twelve, even with uh, a couple losses.
1: So, with that being said, why? What do you think? Kansas stands to gain, if anything, from this game? Like, if you're Les Miles, what are you saying to your guys in the team meeting before you start your week of preparation against Oklahoma? Because I don't think anyone in that room is under the illusion that they're going to go in and win the football game. They don't think that. So what can they – and you you threw out the moral victory there, and, and no one likes those. But whenever you're kind of in the situation they're in right now, that's what you're really reduced to. Like, is there anything that they can come away from in this game, in your opinion, saying, okay, we've got that to build on?
2: I, probably. I think, from the perspective of Jalen Daniels, the situation at quarterback is so different because it's like each week, it's like he finds five new plays because he's just learning more and getting snaps. And so it'd probably be that, you know, Kansas put up, I think it was 15 points from offensive drives in the last game seven from special teams that's not great but they also had a two-minute drill that resulted in a 40-yard field goal that missed because the wind was blowing you know 600 miles an hour in all sorts of different directions to the point where I think they went for it on like a fourth and 15 in the first half because it was like we can't punt the ball into this wind I, th- I think Iowa State had a punt that was like eight yards because, just because the wind was absolutely like insane and, it and was so it's it like, which, yeah, whichever way you're going, you're either you have a kicker or you don't, it just depends which direction you're facing. And, um, y- you know, so I think from that perspective, you know, that was another drive that could have been points. And then his, when he threw his interception last game, uh, which was a terrible throw granted under pressure, but, a, but a really bad throw, uh, that was another drive that was in plus territory. So, you know, they, they put up 15 points probably could have given them a couple more field goals, which is not great. Not good enough to win a big 12 game. But you're starting to see it move in the direction of, you know, let's explain the, expand the playbook by four plays this week. And, and let's give him, you know, a couple deep balls. He, he threw one to Luke Grimm uh, on a play that, that Brent Deerman designed where receiver fakes like he's doing an out route. And he reads the, the safety in the cornerback. And if the cornerback bites, then he puts his foot in the ground and turns up field. And they did that on a fourth and six. And it went for 34 yards and set up a touchdown. And, or, yeah, a touchdown, I, I think, a couple plays later. So I think that's probably what you're looking at. And then you mentioned Kansas blitzing more. DJ Elliott uh, in his first year did not want to blitz. DJ Elliott's whole idea was, hey, this defense isn't very good, but it's, we're going to not give up big plays. We're going to make you get seven yards every single time. And what ended up happening is other teams said, okay, thank you. We will get seven yards every single time and then score a bunch of points. And so, you know, you can argue how effective that approach was. I think something changed this year. Uh, I, really the West Virginia game. I don't know if it was less miles being out of there um, and then just, you know, trying to see what they could do, but it's not even that in, in that game in particular, that they were blitzing more, but they started like putting seven guys on the line and, you know, it's like a mystery. Who's going to drop off. Where's the pressure coming from uh, now? All of a sudden, these, these young guys are getting into the backfield for quarterback hurries. Uh, I don't think they had an interception coming into that game. They've since have two, both times. I believe quarterbacks were under pressure. Uh, they forced a couple fumbles, which uh, they've been really bad at forcing turnovers under TJ Elliott, but they're starting to do it more. And I think putting pressure on the other team uh, allows you to force those. So um, from that perspective, I, I don't think Oklahoma has been impenetrable uh, in, in terms of ball security, in terms of pressuring the quarterback. So m- maybe you you see that, but for Kansas fans at this point, I, I think you just watch the quarterback. You watch 17 and, and say, is, is he doing more? Is he getting the chance to do it? Uh, is he is he confident with his throws? Is he running RPOs is he reading you know that's he's, he's got to learn how to read a defense I'm confident he probably will when he gets a spring and he gets to to work with the offensive coordinator for a year but you know is is he learning those things I think that's probably what you're looking for
0: yeah Scott I'm with you and uh, I think Jalen Daniels is going to have some plays in this game that you know is, it's going to be frustrating for OU's defense it's going to be frustrating for OU fans but Scott man really appreciate the time it's always a pleasure no one Covers KU football (laughs) like my man, Scott Jason.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Scott.
0: We told you that man knows KU football, Teddy. Unbelievable.
1: He's the guy. He's the guy out there that knows KU football. There's one person and it's him. He knows everything. He's He's the Jayhawk encyclopedia.
0: Yeah, he's and he covers the basketball team as well. He can do that with the basketball team, too. I mean, it's it's unreal. He's an impressive human being.
1: That's not easy to cover something that's that bad that in-depth week after week. You know, that's dedication.
0: That's a really good point.
1: Because I know he doesn't – I mean – He can't fun. enjoy that. <laughs> no, it's fun to cover something that's, that's great and competitive and in the conversation nationally. It's not fun to cover something that is the worst out there, so – Good job to him.
0: Yeah. All right, Ted, uh, it's time. Let's move on to Call Your Shot. And Call Your Shot is brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy.
1: This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's
0: important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, or añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra premium quality
1: and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll.
0: And, Ted, we, we've got a couple to choose from. Uh, I'll give you two choices because I, I just couldn't ignore this one from Ryan Murphy at the name is Roy on Twitter His bold prediction for OU Kansas is Teddy gets flashed, bringing his consecutive flashing streak to two games.
1: Hey, man, that's a streak. It's a streak. Two games, baby. Unfortunately, the layout of our uh, radio booth at home, I'd probably have to get flashed by a coach or a, a replay official or something like that because. it's it's not as um uh party friendly i should say as texas tech is but i do love that
0: okay but now for the real call your shot I had i i couldn't ignore that one it was too <laughs> good not to work into here but uh it, this comes from eric bates at ejb band 21 he says stevenson has more total yards than the Jayhawks offense. <laughs> so. Uh, that that's really interesting, from Eric because uh, I think we just saw them kind of, you know, not use Ramondre Stevenson in you know that many situations, right? They kind of eased him into things in that football game. Didn't give him a ton of carries. Now I know it was a blowout, and this one's probably going to be similar. We also remember he was working a lot in the off season on his ability to catch the football and I think that's a, a much improved part of his game that they want to utilize wouldn't be surprised to see that in this one but I I think some of you fans are going to be surprised when they see the Jalen Daniels kid running around a little bit in that kid someone needs to teach him how to slide because he is he does not know how to run out of ba- out of bounce he is going to run into people at full speed it's unbelievable he'll learn wow. he's young
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's the last thing you want. It's like, what little future we have, that's it out there right now. Um, I'll tell you what's interesting about that question. Just talking to people, and it kind of felt this way, too, just covering the game. Ramondre had three touchdowns, and he had some really nice runs. But I think his longest run was like 16 yards, and – I think he had like eighty-five-ish yards on the night, so it's not like he—he he looked good. Don't get me wrong, I think he averaged like maybe six yards a carry, something like that. He looked good, but it—it's not like he went out there and ran for two hundred and fifty yards. So, uh, I love the optimism. I love the way our running game is going, but I mean, maybe that's a tall I, task.
0: To outgain the opposing <laughs> offense,
1: I mean it's it's very it's conceivable. I think they had like 240 total yards last week against Iowa State, and if they wanted to get Ramondre 240 total yards, they could do it easily. But I think they're going to be sharing the the load quite a bit there in the backfield.
0: Well, maybe they'll throw. Remember that uh, wheel route they threw to McGowan on yeah. the first drive against Gets TCU. Tech? Oh yeah, TCU. Maybe they'll. Uh, Maybe they'll throw that to to Ramondre now and that he'll get to rack up the receiving yards a little bit. Maybe so. We'll see. All right, Ted, uh, one more thing uh, for local college football news, and that is Oklahoma State, Kansas State, uh, the number 14 Cowboys travel to Manhattan, and this is a good opportunity for Oklahoma State to bounce back, in my opinion. Kansas State's defense, they they looked a little more suspect against West Virginia because I think they got worn down. And uh, I think that was a result of Kansas State's offense really being limited and Will Howard finally looking like a freshman. And I'm anticipating Oklahoma State to be able to do the same thing to him, right? And I I think Oklahoma State's defense going to control this one. We'll see what Colby Harvell Peel's status is for this football game, but if they can eliminate Deuce Vaughn, like West Virginia did, and make Will Howard beat them throwing the ball, I, I just don't see that happening. And I'm expecting Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard to continue to do their thing. Uh, but I am—I'm curious to see how Spencer Sanders plays in this football game. And I'm going to keep a close eye on that Oklahoma State offensive line because you know I—I've been pretty critical of Sanders. I was very critical of his performance. Against Texas, but he didn't get a lot of help from that line, and that group has been banged up. So, if they can't protect him, Ted, we know that K State defensive line, they can get after the quarterback a little bit. But if Oklahoma State plays cleaner football than they did against Texas, if they take care of the football, if they clean up, and they better be on it in special teams. I mean, this is Kansas State, right? But I think if they play a relatively clean game, they should go to Manhattan and win.
1: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think they, they should as well. Um, that's the one thing to watch for me. I think that their defense, um, you know, all things considered, played pretty well against Texas. I think their, um, their running game is there. They've got plenty of great players in the passing game it's all about whether or not they turn the football over in bunches or not i mean that's that's what's going to get them beat that's what got them beat against texas and i promise you if you go into kansas state and turn the ball over 3 times and have a kickoff return for a touchdown which by the way is very likely to happen i mean they can do that's how, what's what they do to people but if you go in there and turn the ball 3 three turn the ball over 3 times and have a special teams touchdown on you you're going to lose so no doubt. That, that's the thing to watch. That's the thing to watch. If if they take care of the football, they don't have turnovers, and they don't give up a big play in special teams, they'll cruise. They'll cruise by three scores.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I completely agree. But we'll see how that team bounces back, right? That was a, uh, a really disappointing loss. And I know a lot of guys in that locker room uh, thought that the college football playoff was a reality you know it was a realistic goal for them and we'll see how they respond when that goal pretty much is impossible now still got a lot to play for though but we'll see manhattan not the easiest place to play either all right ted let's move on to national college football roundup and that's brought to you by insurica do you own a business if you do you need insurica in your life Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Okay, few pieces of college football news before we preview the marquee games of the weekend. Wisconsin-Purdue canceled. This is the second cancellation for Wisconsin, Ted. They're they're starting to flirt with the six-game limit uh, that is required for a Big Ten team to qualify for the conference championship game. It seems like it is a bad situation there in Madison.
1: Yeah, I hate that for them. I mean, I hate it for them, like, in general, if everything was normal and then all of a sudden your games are being stripped from you. But these guys, these players, and honestly, the coaches, I mean, this has been tough on coaches too, staying away from friends, staying away from uh, extended family, you know, having to be super careful, can't do what the rest of the the population's doing. But these, these coaches and players have gone through what they've gone through since, you know, March, and fought, scrapped. Went to court. Went to you know battle, trying to get back to a season. Went through all of these different hoops just to get back on the field. And as soon as you get back, you play one game, you look great, and then you're shut down. I just I feel horrible for those guys, man. It's brutal, absolutely brutal.
0: They should be pissed at Big Ten leadership for setting them up for failure. Uh, if only yep. there was a podcast that said that this exact thing would happen. And unfortunately, it's to a really good football team. Now, another piece of news, Texas running back Keontae Ingram has been ruled out of their game uh, against West Virginia. Uh, He's got an ankle, right, got banged up in that Oklahoma State game. Uh, But that game between West Virginia and Texas, that one could be interesting too. Texas in a bit of a letdown spot, and West Virginia coming off that beatdown of Kansas State. But Ted, I don't feel like Keontae Ingram; uh, he, he just hasn't been that impactful of a player for the Longhorns. Yeah. It, it seems like it's it's Bijan Robinson time for them.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. For whatever reason, it's yet another running back at Texas that just has not lived up to the hype for whatever reason. Offensive line. Uh, offensive system, quarterback, whatever you could throw out there. And I know Ellinger's been good, but I'm saying this is over a decade, essentially. Um, For whatever reason, it just has not worked at running back at Texas. And this is just kind of the latest, you know, highly recruited guy, a physical specimen has like pretty much checks every single box whenever you start going down the list as far as measurables go. But it just hasn't translated on the field. Um, I don't know why it should be able to. If you know, if if Brees Hall can go up to Iowa State and be what, like the second leading rusher in college football, they don't have the greatest offensive line you've ever seen. Right? I mean, it can be done. I yeah. I just I don't I don't know why it's not happening at Texas with some of these guys and athletes that they've had.
0: Yeah, when when you think about it and you just kind of made me start going back in my head and what Malcolm Brown their best running back in the last last decade maybe and he was he's been a better pro than he was a college player
1: yeah I mean Foreman had like um what happened to that guy uh he had kind of a flash on one of their horrible like they were like five and seven one year and he had a big year somehow and went to the, went to the draft, and, but he was pretty good. But, I mean, the what was his name? Gray. Um, oh, gosh. Um, he was like one of the highest recruited high school football players out of the state of Texas ever, uh, a running back. That was supposed to be like the greatest thing. Jonathan Gray, is that right? Maybe? No? Sure. But
0: We're not recruiting but, guys. We don't pretend to be.
1: Yeah, but he – I mean, he played – but he never, he never turned into anything that they expected to. So I don't know what's gone on there. It's been strange. I mean, that's, that's really the one position in Texas. Well, I mean, the, every position in Texas, because there's great players coming out of there year in, year out of the state. But running back, great running backs are a dime a dozen in the state of Texas. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of really good athletes and good backs that they should be able to find.
0: Yeah, just a reminder, and I could be crazy, but I think Deontay Foreman won the Doak Walker Award, and I couldn't even tell you what roster he's on right now. Yeah.
1: Huh, weird. He, just, he had a breakout year out, kind of out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, weird. Forgot about that guy. That was a big back. All right, um, one more piece of news, and of course the biggest news in college football, and that is Trevor Lawrence will be on the sideline. For the Notre Dame game. But he will not be playing. According to Dabo Swinney. Now he says they can't squeeze all the necessary heart screening in before the game. Are you worried, Teddy, about your theory that this is all a giant ruse and that Trevor Lawrence will be playing in this football game? Are you concerned?
1: I'm not concerned about my theory. Gabe, if you know me, you know that I love a great, Conspiracy tinfoil. I got tinfoil tinfoil hats all over the house. This is what I live for. Okay, (laughs) you're telling me that now. Before he's he's ruled out. He just can't play. But we're gonna tell our biggest opponent of the year on Saturday, a full seven days before the game, that he's not going to be there. So they know who to prepare for. We're gonna go ahead and tell him that. Oh, and by the way, he's gonna travel. So in case anyone sees him, you know, with the team and getting on the plane or getting on the buses there on campus, he is going to travel, but no, he's not going to be able to play because we just can't get a 15 minute heart uh, test done in time. And, you know, yeah, he'll be, he'll be cleared. There's time for him to, to clear all the protocols by Saturday, but. You know we're just we're just not going to be able to do it. So, all yeah. right, I'm still I, in I on
0: it, Gabe. Come on, man. You're sticking. You're sticking to your theory. I respect that. All right, let's Why just not? get straight. Let's get straight into that game. Uh, number one, Clemson, going to South Bend to take on number four, Notre Dame, and seems like a big moment, right, for Brian Kelly in this Notre Dame program. You got the number one team in the country coming to your house with their backup quarterback. And when when I look at this game and with what we've seen from Notre Dame so far this season, I think they're going to try to run it right at Clemson. I, I think that's the identity of this football team. They've got a really good offensive line. Uh, Kyron Williams has been solid for them at running back. And then when they run it effectively, that allows Ian Book to be the best version of himself. And, and that is... A play-action heavy quarterback. I mean, I, I think that's really where he thrives. Now, Notre Dame's defense has been solid, and and they got some dudes. They they got some dudes on that defensive line. They are a penetrating defensive front. I mean, they they play with knockback. I, I've been impressed with what I've seen from them, but they have not seen a collection of skill players like they're about to see from Clemson, especially Mari Rogers, Travis Etienne. Now, the real question becomes, what does DJ Uyangalele do in this football game? He's got a full week of practice. The coaches have a full week to put an entire game plan together for him, and he looked damn good against Boston College. Boston College said, hey, DJ, we're going to make you make you throw it 40-something times. And he was like, all right, cool. I've got a cannon attached to my right arm. Let's do this. And I know that that wasn't the type of win that Clemson fans were probably hoping for that game, but it was a win, right? So uh, I am really interested to see what this Clemson offense looks like. And when you look at Clemson's defense, they're not invincible, Ted. And it seems like the big the big thing is going to be the line of scrimmage. They got some talented defensive linemen, but they also they're beat up. I mean, Clemson has a couple of big time playmakers. The, the, the linebacker there. I don't, I don't think he's playing still. They got a couple guys that aren't going to be in this football game. So
1: uh, am I crazy to think Notre Dame's got a chance? No, I don't think so. And I think there's, I think there's a couple other things in play here. You know, I feel like Clemson's going to go in on the defensive. You know, I feel like they've are. they they've obviously got their backup quarterback in. Um, they're going to go in with a little bit of, of worry, a little bit of anxiety about the football game. And Notre Dame, on the flip side, I think that there's been a little bit for them – not necessarily a lack of motivation, but this game has been circled on the calendar, circled on the schedule for them for so long, and it's been built up to be so big that I think they kind of have had a lack of motivation in some of their games, if that makes any sense. Now, you should always come out and play your absolute best, and you try to, but I just feel like For the first time this entire season, someone has their full, undivided attention, and it's Clemson. And I, I could be an idiot, and they go out there and and it's like, well, of course, Clemson mopped the floor with them. Look at all the skill guys they got, and you know, and look at how many you know D linemen, and how they're so. That may happen, but I feel like. Notre Dame is gonna put together their best effort, their best football game, and I think it's gonna be a tight one. I do.
0: Yeah. I I think that's all we want, right? And yeah. It's likely these two teams play again, right? In the ACC championship game. Which is
1: an interesting question. If let's say let's say Notre Dame beats Clemson now, Clemson beats Notre Dame in the ACC championship, you think there's a chance that both if if they're both, like, competitive football games that they would both get in? Any chance of that?
0: Yeah, I think there is. Sure. With the brand that Notre Dame is, and especially with Trevor Lawrence not being in this game, like, if Trevor Lawrence comes back, which we're all assuming he'll be back, and, you know, they end up in that ACC championship game, which we all think they will, and Notre Dame plays them close with Trevor Lawrence – like it, it's decided in the fourth quarter, maybe Clemson wins by a touchdown, wins by a field goal, then you got to think long and hard about Notre Dame. There's no doubt. And especially, I mean, we thought two teams could come out of the SEC, but I don't know if I trust Georgia or Florida and uh, to come out of there from the East. Uh, and I, I think Bama's definitely coming out. Now the Pac-12, clearly a wild card. And then... Who knows what will happen with any other team in the Big Ten except for Ohio State? Uh, the Big 12 is out of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that opens up a spot. So we'll, we'll see, but I don't think that's the craziest, craziest thing I've ever heard.
1: Yeah. Um, All
0: right. Now, let's move to the next game. Uh, and that is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party between number eight, Florida, and number five, Georgia. And this game is so interesting to me because Georgia's defense has been one of the best in the country, but now they have a bunch of guys banged up. And that depth on that side of the ball for them is going to be tested in this game. Do you see that stud safety for them? Was it Richard, uh, Richard LeCount, I think his name? Yeah. What, like, Hit a car, car on his dirt yeah. bike, and then a car hit him. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so!" They got guys out in this football game, and Florida's—they've got some dudes on offense. Kyle Trask is playing like a guy that may be able to play himself into the first round of the NFL draft. Kyle Pitts, arguably the best tight end in the country, and then Kadarius Tony, for me, is one of the most fun players to watch in all of college football. That guy is electric and explosive. So that Florida offense can put up points on this Georgia defense, especially with how banged up they are. But we do know that Florida's defense is a liability. But, Teddy, I feel like we talk about this every episode. Is Stetson Bennett enough? Because sounds like Kirby sticking with Stetson Bennett in this football game. And I don't know. If this Georgia offense can exploit that Florida defense uh, completely with Stetson Bennett pulling the trigger, I, I just don't know. He, he, seems, he seems limited, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think it, Georgia at full strength wins this football game mainly because they can dictate the terms of the game. Slow it down limit possessions, keep things super conservative with Bennett at quarterback, and just make the plays you need to make whenever you have to make them. But if they're banged up and their depth isn't up to par, and Florida – I mean, Florida wants to turn this thing into a track meet. And if they're able to – I just don't think Georgia's going to be able to answer the call. I, I don't. I don't think their offense is explosive enough right now. Now, maybe uh, maybe Stetson Bennett is able to make some plays against Florida because they are lacking a little bit on that side of the ball. But, I mean, it. I don't know. It's, it's hard to pick, you know, because Georgia's been really good at forcing people into their tempo of a football game, playing it, you know, in, in their style. So –
0: do you think because Georgia, they they're a little inexperienced on the offensive line, and that group's kind of been up and down this season. And it's not like they have Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle back there. They got good backs, don't get me wrong. Like they they've got some really talented guys, but I guess one of those backs hasn't emerged as some, you know, game breaker. And with their struggles up front, like if they can't run it effectively the entire football game and, and that defense that even – I mean, by Georgia's standards is looking a little thin right now, this may be one of those games where I just look and go, hey, I, I just think Florida's got more firepower offensively. I mean, that's where I'm kind of leaning in this game because – If I look at the unit I trust the most, like going into this game, like you said, if everyone was healthy, I'd say Georgia's defense. I mean, it's not even a discussion. But with all these guys banged up, you start looking at Florida's offense and going, well, that might be the strongest unit in this football game.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot, but. I I still like Georgia to win the game. I think it's going to be a tight, lower-scoring game than what you've seen with Florida. I think Florida's scoring like 40-plus points a game. Um, You know, they're giving up near 30 a game. I think it's going to be played low 30s, high 20s, and I think that's a a game that favors Georgia to win it. If I had to pick right now, I'd take Georgia, but – I'll listen to anything. I mean, I I I don't have my made up my mind made up one way or the other. I think it's going to be incredibly tight, and like a lot of good football games that we've seen this year, I think it could be, you know, maybe who has the ball last or who gets the last stop.
0: Yeah, I'm probably going to come down to if Zamir White. I mean, that's the guy that's turned into the go to back for Georgia. We'll, we'll see if if he has a big day, then I like Georgia's chances. If he doesn't. And it's on Stetson. Well, then I like Florida a whole lot. Okay, there's two more ranked matchups this weekend. We got a Friday Nighter between number nine BYU and number 21 Boise State. And then we've got Michigan, who is somehow still ranked at number 23, going to number 13 Indiana. Yes, you heard that correctly. Number 13 Indiana. Teddy, any interest? in either of these games
1: absolutely you kidding me i've got tons of interest in both of them um you just want to see
0: harbaugh crash and burn
1: well mainly I, in the michigan i think i mean i don't know what's going to happen there i i think it. i think indiana's a four real football team i think michigan is you know got their backs against the wall how are they going to bounce back um you know i i think that you know, with the Big Ten, the way everything's unfolding, there's a bunch of things that are interesting about that game. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm down for that. Give me give me Indiana to keep rolling or give me Michigan to bounce back, but I want another tight football game. Give me something crazy at the end in Indiana style. Give,
0: give me Michael Pinnock's diving yes. for the end zone at the end of the game again.
1: And I cannot wait to hear the call say, well, don't think he got it. <laughs> Nope. That's still bothering you. This one's coming back.
0: <laughs> but I, I looked at that BYU-Boise State game, and that one really interests me. I I don't really care about – I'm not going to waste my time with Michigan until they win a football game, right, and a football game. Now, they started the season. We were all impressed. Well, turns out Minnesota, not very good this year. So – We'll see. I I think that is going to be a good one. But BYU-Boise State, uh, this could be a game that when everything is said and done, this could be one for a New Year's Six game. Uh, I mean, it really could be. And BYU has never won, never, on the Smurf turf. Really? Never. That's shocking. So, and there's some mystery around this game, Teddy, because – Boise's best running back, George Halani. Sounds like he's his status is very much up in the air for this game. Uh, Left last game, never came back in, and then they're starting quarterback that
1: that Boise hasn't told anyone whether or not he's going to play, like most coaches do, and not like Dabo Sweeney telling the entire world that his quarterback's not playing, not like that.
3: The theory grows
0: (laughs) and. Uh, you you look at Hank Bachmeyer. I mean, he didn't play last game. His status in it, it. I'm just reading between the lines. Sounds like he is a Rona. He's a Corona casualty, is what it sounds like. No, he's not. I, that's probably not a good way of putting it. That was bad. Um, he's not dead. He's still alive. But uh, but his status. I mean, their starting quarterback sounds like it's up in the air a little bit. So this seems like a prove it game for Zach Wilson. And the Cougs, and you talk about a great one to watch on a Friday night. Let's go!
1: Let's go! Love it. Uh, A couple of things. Number one, Hank Bachmeyer sounds like the offensive coordinator for Wyoming, not the quarterback for uh, Boise.
0: It's definitely. I completely agree. (laughs) Or it sounds like uh, it sounds like it would be a law firm like (laughs) Bachmeyer and Bachmeyer. You know. Uh, it, have, it all, you mean, inju- have you been injured? Have you been injured in a trucking accident? Contact Bachmeyer and Bachmeyer. <laughs>
1: uh, it's just—it's a fantastic name. It sounds like a name off Yellowstone too. Like, <laughs> yeah, go head down to the Bachmeyer Ranch. Um,
0: I love that show, by the way. All the way caught up. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what. Dude, have you watched all of that? No. Not to get
1: too off-topic.
0: Okay. Two, I'm, two,
1: never mind. I'm two episodes into the first season.
0: Okay. Well, the finale of season three, like, <laughs> I, I, I need to know. Like, season four needs to get here as soon as possible. You can't leave the people hanging like that, Yellowstone. Holy shit.
1: That's great. Um, other thing. You think the Wilson kid has a legitimate shot at the Heisman?
0: With Trevor Lawrence getting Corona, I certainly think that brings him into the picture. Now, I still think Justin Fields is, you know, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are the guys to beat,
1: right? And they'd have to have they'd have to have, have to have have a trip up, and and you know, and he's not playing against Notre Dame, and that almost gives Trevor Lawrence like a get out of jail free card. Like that's the one game that you would feel like maybe they stand a chance to lose, but
0: but it it also. Yeah. It kind of takes away from Trevor Lawrence's ability to have like that big primetime moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And Zach Wilson's kind of, I know it's on a Friday, but Zach Wilson's kind of getting that Friday night. Yeah. Right. No, so that's, I, I, that's true. I don't know, but uh, you look at the stats, this kid, he, he deserves to be in the conversation. He's playing at a really high level and you know how much of an emphasis they put on quarterbacks. Like right now, with what we've seen in college football he would be a heisman trophy finalist for me he's been that good i know they really haven't played anybody i understand that but he's been fun as hell to watch and he's played really good football
1: yeah yeah i mean it's um i don't i think it's i think it's just a fascinating situation i think even talking about BYU now i think they'd need some things to happen and and maybe cincinnati's ahead of them but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they could find themselves with a college football playoff berth. Now you have to get pretty far down the line, I think before you get to an undefeated BYU team, but there's a chance.
0: Yeah. All right, I'm with you. All right, Ted, let's hey, move on to our, Oh, Oh, before we move on, let's I,
1: not since we're in. Sue some national college football news, I wanted to throw this at you and see what you thought. Okay. I'm going to give you some statistics for a football team. And I want you to see if you can guess who the team is. Deal? Yeah. I, lo- I love guessing games. Okay. This football team has the number eight rusher in all of college football in both yards and touchdowns. He's the number eight rusher over all, all teams. And what I did here is, Five games or more because there's some teams that have played like two games, so the the statistics are skewed. Number eight rusher overall. All right, they've got the number 12 quarterback as far as passing yards. And by the way, they're rusher, uh, yards and touchdowns. He's number eight in both of those. Number 12 passer overall. Okay, they've got a top 25 scoring offense, points per game. They're the number 14 total offense, yards per game. Defensively, they are the number one defense in the country in total defense yards per game.
0: It's West Virginia.
1: Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Number 12 scoring D, number eight in sacks. Letty Brown is that dude, man how are they not how are they not better than what they their record right now they got the number 1 defense in the country they got a top 25 scoring offense they got a great running back a quarterback that's fringe top 10 in yards passing it's shocking that their numbers are that good
0: well you got to remember and i think and I, I put it out there on twitter i think at this point Neil Brown, for me, is the leader in the clubhouse for Big Twelve Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's how I feel. Um, but the their weakness is on the offensive line, and it's been West Virginia. Now, when Beidenbo was there, they had—I uh, mean, they had one of the best coaches in the country, and they were putting guys in the NFL. He was developing guys, but that's their issue one of the most confusing things in the world is them going and getting beat by Tech in London. I I I mean, it's – it is – it continues to be perplexing. Now, them losing to Oklahoma State, like Oklahoma State's a damn good football team. Like healthy Oklahoma State, you know, Illingworth not turning the ball over in that game. So –
1: I also think that West Virginia is a work in progress. Like they they are way better right now than they were – early in the season.
0: Completely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Daggy, especially these last
1: couple games? Yeah, he's gone over 3 bills in 3 straight games, I think.
0: And they got speed at
1: the skill positions. They do. Yeah. But I don't know. I just whenever the more I've dug into some of their numbers and watched them, I'm just like they, they have the number 1 defense in the country right now, giving up 255 yards a game. Pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how they finish out the year because right when you look at their schedule About down the stretch, it's, it's not easy. They got Texas this weekend, and then TCU, OU, and Iowa State. So, uh, we'll, we'll see, but that's, that's also a nice little four-game run to see what the Mountaineers are made of. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments, and let's start with our winners and losers of the week. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs, They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic at Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free Fat Burner. Injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the week?
1: Oh, this was an easy one for me. The winner of the week is the old miss kid, the freshman tight end, Demarcus Thomas. They had, yeah, they had practice, I think it was Monday, and took a hit in practice. I don't know. It sounded like a routine practice, but goes down when they rush over to him, has no feeling at all in any of his extremities is life flighted out of practice. They shut practice down. You saw Kiffin talking about it before they had any news and he was shaken, man. He was, he was, he was shaken. So they, they get him into the hospital, but slowly regains movement back has, uh, has movement in all of his extremities and has checked out of the hospital expected to make a full recovery. Dude, can you imagine how terrifying that would be laying on the field with no feeling? In your I, I mean, it's just, I just want
0: to point out that you, you selected a guy that lost all the feeling in his body as your winner of the week. I just want to make sure I,
1: well, you're looking at it that way. I'm looking at it as my winner of the week is the guy who regained a feeling in okay. all of his body. There you go.
0: Okay, I was like, um, yeah, no, that doesn't sound like much of a winning situation for our man. Well, but I mean, he's, dude, that's he's that's the worst part for, about football.
1: Yeah, he's probably. I don't know how long it took, but you know, for hours or I mean, even if it's minutes, feeling like, oh my god, I've I've just been paralyzed, and then getting that movement back, you've got to feel like, oh my god, this is the, I'm lucky. I'm incredibly lucky, and. I bet it's hard to get back out there, man. You know? Dude.
0: I I can't wait for them to talk to that kid. Like I
1: know. like especially I
0: just, if he just comes back.
1: Yeah. I saw the I just saw the picture of him and I guess his parents as he was checking out of the hospital and he was smiling and looked like he was in good spirits. So that's that was that was scary and that was crazy.
0: Yeah. Thank God that kid is okay. God, that is there's nothing worse than you know, they, they get the drill out to take the kid's face mask off. You know, I, I'm i sure you've been part of that, like, in a game when that happens. I mean, it, yeah. it just – it shakes everybody up for a little bit. Like, there's nothing weirder as a football player than when it, yeah, they have to put a guy right on on one of those, uh, those, like, back brace boards and they, you know, stabilize their neck and they remove the face mask and that whole thing. And then – just got to get back out there and play, and everyone. There, it does take a little bit. Like it takes a couple plays until everyone's like, "All right, we're playing again." That that shit is the worst. The worst. Yeah. Who do you have as your loser of the week?
1: Central Michigan. Well, I don't know, Mac. You could put this one really on anyone. It, it's Maction is back Wednesday night. Maction. There's six games going on, and in their opener. The stadium in Central Michigan loses power. they got a blackout. Uh, the broadcast goes not, down. Not
0: blackout like everyone no, right. in the stands is no. wearing
1: black. Not, a, not, a, not that kind of blackout. A power blackout. They've got to send both teams into an early halftime. Uh, power outage is widespread across campus. You spend all this time coming back for this game. You can't wait. Here we are. It's Wednesday night. Wednesday night, baby. ESPN. And no power. Zoom. so you there's feel their pain i mean it, you've, you've been without some power and some internet you've been there
0: i feel you i feel you central michigan <laughs> i've uh, uh, there's a lot of oklahomans that feel your pain but
1: yeah, most get, oklahomans are like big deal dude i haven't had power in nine days get over it guys bunch of pampered college football players
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good to see the mac back um I'm glad to have some midweek match, there's nothing better. Baby. And congrats to all our degenerate gambling listeners yes. because I know that that is, that is like heaven for you guys.
1: you got to bridge the gap between that horrible Monday night football game and Thursday night NFL. There's got to be something there to get you home.
0: No doubt. All right, Ted, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires in the cable boxes, so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my internet has been flawless, flawless. When the internet company isn't completely ruining my life for the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma city area, call sound advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. My winner of the week, Ted. Now we do not talk politics on this podcast and I don't think we're ever going to talk politics on this podcast. That is our promise to our (laughs) listeners, but this needs to be discussed Now there, there was a rather important event on Tuesday and that, that bitch is still getting tracked out. Like we don't know
1: long event.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We, we don't know who the next president is, Uh, but my winner of the week, the math guys from the election coverage, because, Oh my God, these guys are wizards. John King, Uh, Steve Kornacki, Bill Hemmer, like, I was flipping through all the channels, watching all these different guys, and I didn't care about their politics or anything. I was just like, look at these guys go. I mean, it was unbelievable because I had someone send me a text. It was like, hey, you need to watch this John King guy. He's on CNN, and I was like, all right. I mean, I'll watch it, and he's like, He is a map savant, and I was like, a map savant, what? And this guy is zooming in, and by the end of it, I felt like I was an expert on every county in the state of Ohio in the suburbs. I was like, you know, just rattling them off at that point, but these guys' ability to rattle off those counties in Wisconsin and Ohio and Michigan, like, I know it's their job, And some people on Twitter are like, they have a teleprompter. It's not that impressive. Listen, you've never used a teleprompter person on Twitter. You don't know what that's like. Like, what these dudes are doing can't be done through a teleprompter. It doesn't work. Teddy, when I do TV with you, I've got notes in front of me, and I can still barely speak. And these guys are staring at maps and just just
1: throwing out all these random facts. It was unbelievable. It's great. I mean – it is fun to think about. Now, this is those guys' Super Bowl, right? And they didn't just happen to walk up in front of that map and say and know everything about it. They've been they've been studying up on this for a long time. They've been doing it for a bunch of elections, but whenever you can stand there and say, "Let's go to North Carolina. This is Johnson County. This hasn't been Republican since." You know, whoever won it in 1962 last year. It, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. You notice they never do that in Oklahoma. Uh, one, because we know which way all of those votes are going to go. But number two, 77 counties. Good luck. Good they, luck, guys.
0: And <laughs> let's be real. Like, there, there's some Oklahomans here and they're like, no, no, no. I know a bunch of Oklahoma counties. And, like, yeah, we all do, and it's because of tornado coverage. Like, that's yeah. why we know the counties.
1: But, I mean – I know I know quite a few, but get me in front of a blank map that doesn't have any of them on there, buddy. I, I could be pretty lost.
0: I can't. It, it was peak Twitter when people responded like, it's right in front of them, man. It's on a prompter. It's like, dude, I don't, I, I don't care what these guys are doing. It, it's remarkable. And when do they go to the bathroom? When do they eat? When do they drink water? They, I mean, that dude from CNN, and the guy from Fox was on there. They were they were on their forever. They're wearing diapers,
1: diapers. They're wearing diapers. Great point. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? And here's the other thing: even if it is on a teleprompter, and even which it's not. I mean, they're. Looking I can't at even those, read the
0: damn ad reads for our podcast consistently. <laughs>
1: That's what I was about to say. Um, they are the most skilled guys ever at making it seem like it's so it's seamless, it's flawless, it's easy. All the information's right there. But those maps are cool. I mean, how interactive they are and how they can move around on them. It's pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, really cool. Hashtag technology. Now, Ted, my loser of the week, and there was a reason during the college football roundup we didn't talk about the Pac-12 because I wanted to save it. Now, the Pac-12 is back, and I know a lot of our listeners are probably very excited about the Pac-12 being back. You know that we care. (laughs) In the heartland, we care about our friends. Out on the West Coast. But I am glad they're coming back. I'm glad these kids are getting to play. And there are some intriguing matchups this weekend in the Pac-12. You got Stanford, Oregon. You got Washington, Cal. But this brings me to my loser of the week. And that would be the players in the Arizona State-USC game. Remember, this is USC, the most recognizable brand in their conference. And now, that game should be kind of fun. Right, you look at it. Jaden Daniels, the quarterback for Arizona State, was a really exciting player to watch last year. For Herm Edwards, Herm, Ed, wow, Herm Edwards's jeez, Sun Devils. Let's get
1: you an interactive map. See yeah, how you <laughs>
0: <do>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's got the prompter. It's not that hard. I can't even speak. God, but <laughs> people, people are expecting big things from Keaton Slovis this year. For the Trojans, Uh, I think some people have some high expectations for Clay Helton and USC, but a lot of people may not know this. This game is being played at 11 Central. God's time, of course, right? Central time, the best time zone. Which means this game that is taking place in Los Angeles will be played at 9 a.m. local time. The banner program in the conference, is playing at 9 a.m. local time. That is awful for those players. And I understand it's to get into the big noon Eastern kickoff slot for Fox. Like, I get it. But that has to be so miserable preparing for this game for these kids because all week, all week, as you're going through your prep, you're like, damn it, dude, we have to wake up at 5 a.m. on Saturday. I mean, that's when you got to do it. What, what time's the pregame meal for a 9 a.m. Four hours kick?
1: before kick, man.
0: Yeah, it's always four hours before kick. So what – you got to, you know, 4.45, wake up, 5 a.m. <laughs> pregame meal. Are you
1: kidding me? Buses leave at, what, uh, 6.45? I just – Get there two hours before kick? I just
0: – oh, I feel so bad for those kids. And I, I know Clay Helton and – you know, it seems like all these coaches in the conference are like, hey, this is good for recruiting. It gets us on TV. It's like, but still, the kids have to wake up at 5 a.m., maybe earlier on game day. That's bullshit. I don't care. I, you can talk about TV revenue all you want. That's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, how I mean, pissed I, off would you be to have to wake up at 5 and go play a game?
1: I mean, I, I, I would say right now that I would be – pissed off and mad, but you know, being done at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday is not bad though. Yeah, that's the but, only thing.
0: But these kids, it's not like they, they, they live in California. They can't go party. It's not a thing right now. If, or maybe, if you I go mean,
1: party you have to write down the list of people you were with and hand it in to the governor right now. So Yeah, yeah no
0: singing either.
1: <laughs> no singing. Yeah. That list I'm, is dude,
0: hilarious, by the way.
1: That is Totally brutal. I mean, I, it's. It, I mean, I understand their point because Pac-12 football's been struggling because everyone is drunk and passed out by the time they even start playing their football games. You know, I, it's. I get it, but it's that's a that's brutal, man. That's brutal for the players, coaches, everyone. It's early, be. early night time.
0: It should be should be a good game, but I feel so bad for those players. All right, Ted, let's move on and let's wet the beak. And wet the beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all of your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And, of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build a house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at, at Tim Hughes, custom homes, or visit Tim Hughes, CustomHomes.com. Eat your heart out. John King, boom, nailed it. Okay. <laughs> Thursday night football. We got Packers at 49ers, but the 49ers they're having to shut things down. They shut things down on Wednesday. Now it sounds like the game is still, still going to happen, but they had to put Trent Williams on the COVID-19 list. They had to put a couple other guys. I mean, there are, Entire team's already hurt anyways, so there is a sexier matchup in the NFL. And that matchup comes Sunday when the Miami Dolphins travel to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Dolphins are 4-3 and three and are very much in the AFC East picture. The Cardinals are 5-2 and, and are trying to navigate their way through a brutal NFC West. But this game is all about the rematch. Tua versus Kyler, round two. Now, the talent should be a little more even than it was in that Orange Bowl <laughs> that you and I uh, observed there in Ooh. Miami, Ted. But uh, I know Miami beat the Rams last week, uh, but two in the offense, they, they weren't exactly stellar in that football game. And I won't be surprised if the Cardinals heat Tua up a little bit, uh, make him make some quick decisions. Now, that Dolphins defense, definitely the strength of the team. No surprise, right, with Brian Flores leading things there in Miami. But Cardinals, Teddy, they're coming off a bye. You know how much I love a team coming off a bye. Come on. And then uh, one thing to note, Kenyon Drake for the Cardinals, Miles Gaskin for uh, the Dolphins, you know, both teams, the, the guys that have been the workhorse running backs for him not playing in this football game, but the Cardinals currently a four and a half point favorite. And I feel very good about laying the four and a half for the Cardinals Ooh. because <laughs> Teddy they're coming off a buy. Give me Kyler and the Cardinals revenge for Kyler Murray in the embarrassment he had to go through in the orange bowl.
1: Oh man, that is a, a good point. Um, the, the good news here is I think this is going to be a fantastic football game. Agreed. The bad news is the Dolphins are going to win the thing. Okay, Ooh. They're going to win it outright. Now, here's the thing. Yes, the Arizona Cardinals are coming off of a bye, and they've won three straight. Now, here's the three games they've won. They beat the Seahawks. Worst defense in the NFL. Last place. Uh, They beat the Cowboys. I don't even have to tell you anything about the Cowboys.
0: Strong defense.
1: They beat the Jets. I don't have to tell you anything about the Jets. And you mentioned it. The Dolphins are good on that side of the ball. Would you like to take a guess, Gabe, at who the number one defense, scoring defense in the NFL is?
0: I'm going to guess the Dolphins.
1: Yes, you would be exactly right. This will be by far the toughest defense that they've played. And I know the offense for the, the Dolphins is not uh, – they're not high-powered. They're not going up and down the football field, but they don't need to. The way their defense is playing right now, Tua gives them enough. I hate to say this, but Kyler goes down to Tua in round two. Oh, no. Oh, you fans will be so sad, Teddy. They're going to win the thing outright, too. Mm. And like all of the other proclamations I've made on Wet the Beak, it is sure to go down in a blaze of glory.
0: (laughs) We've been awful lately. (laughs) But hopefully people aren't taking real money and putting... I mean, we just do that to have fun, but... oh. Ugh, why, why is sports gambling not legal? Why can't I gamble on these games from my phone right now in Oklahoma? Just ridiculous!
1: We were shot out of a cannon early on the first Fidelity uh, free giveaway for the checking or savings account, and then it went epically bad. So, yeah, you know. I,
0: hey, hey, we got too, we got too many people, too much free money That's from right. our presenting sponsor. You know, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. All right, Ted, let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment and that is keeping it local where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma and that's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School As schools reopened in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, For more information, visit bmchs.org. Dang it, Teddy, you know what just happened? I was scrolling up to find the other map guy's name to be like, you know what, suck it, other map guy. What was his name, Kernacki or whatever, and I messed up the website. Gosh, bmchs.org. Dang it.
3: Uh, Okay, story.
0: Story time. Okay, so the ice storm has royally pissed me off. It has royally pissed a lot of Oklahomans off. Still a lot of people without power, right? This thing has been a huge asshole to people in this state. And I feel for the people that still don't have power. I feel for the people that still don't have internet or cable. Uh, the kids that were, you're right, doing virtual school from home, and they haven't been able to do that. That, that can't be very fun. But then I saw something, and I was like, okay. This is the last straw. This is the last straw <laughs> ice storm. And it's from an article by Brandy McDowell in the Oklahoman. And it almost made me lose it, Teddy. I was, I was like, okay, it's, th- this is enough because this dumbass ice storm has resulted in the Holiday Lights Spectacular in Midwest City being canceled. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever been to the Holiday Lights Spectacular, Teddy, But it is very pleasant, and they do a very good job with it. And lots of people drive through it, and it's a Christmas tradition for a lot of people in this state. And this stupid ice storm damaged too many trees in the park that it takes place in, and some of the light displays that they were already putting in to get ready for the festivities got damaged because of this stupid ice storm. And now the Ice Storm is attacking Christmas, and this is ridiculous. I can't believe this. Uh, it just makes me very upset. I'm just it, – it, it puts me on edge, man. Don't mess with Christmas, Ice Storm. What the hell?
1: I know. I feel your frustration. Can I offer a solution? Yes, of you, course. Uh, you had minimal tree damage, okay? why don't you go all out on Christmas lights and turn your house into the festival of lights? It'll annoy the hell out of your neighbors, but turn that into the new tradition. We're going to see Gabe's house.
0: So that's a really good point. And my wife and I, we've been having the discussion because, you know, we're starting to talk about Christmas lights, but it's a new house. And, we're trying to decide what, what, like, what the Christmas light plan is going to be. Now, I want to make it clear, my Christmas lights are not going up before Thanksgiving, or yeah. at least I don't think they are. Now, if my wife has them put up before Thanksgiving, that is out of my hands. I, right. I, I can do nothing. You know how this works. But I, I I'm a big Thanksgiving guy, so I don't o- overlook Thanksgiving. It's not like Halloween straight to Christmas for me. Like, I, I, I love Thanksgiving, and we have Thanksgiving decorations. So I know those are going up before the Christmas stuff comes out. But yeah, I maybe I'll just pick your brain. What what should the color scheme be? We were thinking maybe like all bright white or maybe like all red or white and red or like candy cane. I I feel like you got to you got to find a theme and just stick to it. You you can't have I do like the multicolor look, but I just don't think that's for us. I don't no. think it's for
3: us.
1: You here's what you need to do. You need to go LED white, so it's like the soft white, It's not the yellow-looking white. Okay, yes. it's the okay. LED white. You need to go LED white, and then you need to mix in some LED red, LED blue. That's going to be the best look for your house.
0: Red, white, and blue. Uh huh. Damn patriot. That's what I am. That's
1: right. Hell yeah. That's right.
3: And I've I mean run that you line. can. I'll run you that can, by the wife and
1: see what she says. You can mix in if you feel like green that's good too but I the blue I think is going to set off perfectly with the with the LED white in your house. That's just that's well, just you, my theory. You you picked me up in the monster truck
0: last week yeah. and uh, because you you drove us to Lubbock so you've seen the house so I trust you and I, I trust your opinion. You,
1: do the on the on the ground around the driveway, the circle drive. That would be top notch too. You've Got to be careful. You got to trust your wife to be able to drive and not hit them all. She a good driver.
0: Very good. Okay, Very good.
1: you're good there. Are you? Can we trust you to not hit them?
0: I I, I drive a sedan, so it's not really <laughs> a, really a concern me getting out of the uh, the circle drive.
1: Hey, I'll just yeah. I drive this. a
0: sedan. What of it? I like it. It gets great hey, mileage. It's a hybrid too, Teddy.
1: Suck it, nerd. There's nothing wrong with that. I love hybrids. Um, I, I've got to say, I mow my own yard, and I've got, a, I've got a huge yard. It's four acres. I, I have a ton of ice damage. I've got like 200 trees, and they've been destroyed. And my wife and I and my son will be out there chainsawing, hauling limbs, burning limbs. So I do most of the things around my house myself, but there is no better money spent in this world than paying someone to put your Christmas lights up instead of doing it yourself. That is the greatest money you will ever spend bar none. Forget about it. That's it.
0: Completely agree. And I I got a feeling we're going to rehash this conversation. (laughs) Here in about a month or so, when, when, when it gets rolling around. Perfect. We will, we'll we'll talk about this again, but I'd like to say, fuck you, Ice Storm. <laughs> Not cool messing with people's Christmas traditions, but uh, I did look up some other options for people since the Holiday Light Spectacular in Midwest City has been canceled. There is a Festival of Lights in Chickasha, also one in Ardmore. Uh, there is what they call Christmas in the Park in elk city um and then there is there's also a christmas in the park in yukon so that's not too far or man t-row maybe he maybe he can tell us a little bit about that one but uh there's also something cool in muskogee so we got options
1: that's awesome the honor heights park is really good in muskogee
0: yeah so we got options people and on that note episode 57 in the books We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400, and you can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.